Chapter Number Twenty of A Red Wallflower. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Shashank Jakmola. A Red Wallflower by Susan Warner. School. After much consideration, the colonel had determined that Esther should be a sort of half boarder at Miss Fairbairn's school, that is, she should stay there from Monday morning to Saturday night. Esther combated this determination as far as she dared. Papa, will not that make me a great deal more expense to you than I need be? Not much difference, my dear. As to that, if you came back every night, I should have to keep a horse. Now that will not be necessary, and Christopher will have more time to attend to other things. But, Papa, it will leave you all the week alone. That must be, my child. I must be alone all the days, at any rate. Papa, you will miss me at tea and in the evenings. I must bear that. It troubles me, Papa. And that you must bear. My dear, I do not grudge the price I pay. See you only that I get what I pay for. Yes, Papa, Esther said meekly. She could go no further. Miss Fairbairn was a tall woman, but not imposing either in manner or looks. Her face was sensible, with a mixture of the sweet and the practical, which was at least peculiar, and the same mixture was in her manner. This was calm and gentle in the utmost degree, also cool and self-possessed equally, and it gave Esther the impression of one who always knew her own mind and was accustomed to make it the rule for all around her. A long talk with this lady was the introduction to Esther's school experience. It was a very varied talk. It roved over a great many fields and took looks into other. It was not inquisitive or prying, and yet Esther felt as if her interlocutor were probing her through and through and finding out all she knew and all she did not know. In the latter category, it seemed to Esther, lay almost everything she ought to have known. Perhaps Miss Fairbairn did not think so. At any rate, her face expressed no disappointment and no disapproval. "'In what way have you carried on your study of history, my dear?' she finally asked. "'I hardly can tell. In a box of coins, I believe,' Esther answered. "'Huh?' I think I will get me a box of coins, which meant Esther could not tell what. She found herself at last, to her surprise, put with the highest classes in the English branches and in Latin. Her work was immediately delightful. Esther was so buried in it that she gave little thought or care to anything else, and did not know or ask what place she took in the esteem of her companions or of her teachers. As the readers may be more curious, one little occurrence that happened that week shall serve to illustrate her position. Ted illustrated, in the consciousness of all the school family, only not of Esther herself. It was at dinner one day. There was a long table set, which reached nearly from the front of the house to the back, through two rooms, leaving just comfortable space for the servants to move about it. Dinner was half through. Miss Fairbairn was speaking of something in the newspaper of that morning which had interested her, and she thought she would interest the girls. "'I will read it to you,' she said. Miss Gainsborough, 
may I ask you to do me a favour? Go and fetch me the paper, my dear. It lies on my table in the schoolroom, the paper and the book that is with it. There went a covered smile round the room, which Esther did not see. Indeed, it was too covered to be plain even to the keen eyes of Miss Fairburn, and glances were exchanged. And perhaps it was as well for Esther that she did not know how everybody's attention for the moment was concentrated on her movements. She went and came in happy ignorance. Miss Fairbairn received her paper, thanked her, and went on to read to the girls an elaborate account of a wonderful wedding which had lately been celebrated in Washington. The bride's dress was detailed, her trousseau described, and the subsequent movement of the bridal party chronicled. All was listened to with eager attention. "'What do you think of it, Miss Tykeman?' the lady asked after she had finished reading. "'I think she was a happy girl, Miss Fairbairn.' "'Humph! What do you say, Miss Delavan?' "'Uncommonly happy, I should say, ma'am.' "'Is that your opinion, Miss Essink?' "'Certainly, ma'am. There could be but one opinion, I should think.' What could make a girl happy if all that would not? asked another. Hm. Miss Gainsborough, you are the next. What are your views on the subject? Esther's mouth opened and closed. The answer that came first to her lips was sent back. She had a fine feeling that it was not fit for the company, a feeling that is expressed in the admonition not to cast pearls before swine, though that admonition did not occur to her at the time. She had been about to appeal to the Bible, but her answer, as it was given, referred only to herself. I believe I should not call happiness anything that would not last, she said. There was a moment's silence. What Miss Fairburn thought was not to be read from her face. In other faces, Esther read distaste or disapprobation. Why, Miss Fairburn, nothing lasts, if you come to that cried a young lady from near the other end of the table. Some things more than others, the mistress of the house opined. Not what you call happiness, ma'am. That's a very sober view of things to take at your age, Miss Disbro. Yes, ma'am, said the young lady, tittering. It is true. Do you think it is true, Miss Jennings? There was a little hesitation. Miss Jennings said she did not know. Miss Lawton was appealed to. Is there no happiness that is lasting, Miss Lawton? Well, Miss Fairburn, what we call happiness, one can't be married but once, the young lady hazarded. That called forth a storm of laughter, laughter well modulated and kept within bounds, be it understood. No other was tolerated in Miss Fairburn's presence. I have heard of people who had that happiness two or three times, the lady said demurely. Is there, then, no happiness short of being married? Oh, Miss Fairburn, you know I do not mean that, but all the things you read to us of, the diamonds, and the beautiful dresses, and the lace, and the presents, and then the travelling, and doing whatever she liked. Very few people do whatever they like, murmured Miss Fairburn. I mean all that, and that does not last only for a while. The diamond lasts, of course, but the pleasure of wearing them might not. True, quite right, Miss Lawton, but I come back to my question. Is there no happiness on earth that lasts? There was a silence. 
We are in a bad way, if that is our case. Miss Gainsborough, what do you say? I come back to you again. Is there any such thing on earth as happiness, according to your terms, something that lasts? Esther was in doubt again how to answer. I think there is, ma'am, she said, with a look up at her questioner. Pray what it is? Did she know, or did she not know? Esther was not certain, was not certain that her words would find either understanding or sympathy in all that tableful. Nevertheless, the time had come when they must be spoken. Which words? For several Bible sayings were in her mind. Blessed is every one that feareth the Lord, that walketh in his ways, for thou shalt eat the labour of thine hands. Happy shalt them be, and it shall be well with thee. The most profound silence followed this utterance. It had been made in a steady and clear voice, heard well throughout the rooms, and then there was silence. Esther fancied she discerned a little sympathetic moisture in the eyes of Miss Fairburn, but also that lady at first said nothing. At last one voice in the distance was understood to declare that its owner did not care about eating the labour of her hands. No, my dear, you would surely starve, replied Miss Fairburn. Is that what the words mean, do you think, Miss Gainsborough? I think not, ma'am. What then? Won't you explain? There is a reference, ma'am, which I thought explained it. Say ye to the righteous, then it shall be well within him, for they shall eat the fruit of their doings. And another word perhaps explains it. Oh, fear the Lord, yea, his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. No want to them, hey? repeated Miss Fairburn. That sounds very much like happiness, I confess. What do you say, Miss Lawton, Miss Disbro? People that have no want unsatisfied must be happy, I should say. Silence. Then one lady was heard to suggest that there was no such people in the world. The Bible says so, Miss Baines. What can you do against that? Miss Fairbairn, there is an old woman that lives near us in the country, very poor. She is an old Christian, at least so they say, and she is very poor. She has lost all her children and grandchildren. She cannot work any more, and she lives upon charity. That is, if you call it living. I know she often has very little indeed to live upon, and that very poor, and she is quite alone. Nobody to take the least care for her, or of her. So you think she does want some things? Miss Gainsborough, what have you to say to that? What does she think about it? Esther asked. She looked as she spoke at the young lady who had given the instance, but the latter took no notice until Miss Fairburn said, Miss Baines, a question was put to you. I am sure I don't know, Miss Baines replied. They say she is a very happy old woman. You doubt it? I should not be happy in her place, ma'am. I don't see, for my part, how it is possible, and it seems to me certainly she wants a great many things. What do you think, Miss Gainsborough? I think the Bible must be true, ma'am. That is faith's answer. And then the word is, Blessed is every one that feareth the Lord. It is true of nobody else, I suppose. My dear, is that the answer of experience? I do not know, ma'am. 
but Esther's smile gave a very convincing affirmative. But the promise is, no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. There you have it, no good thing, and from them that walk uprightly. Miss Disbro, when you were getting well of that fever, did your mother let you eat everything? Oh, no, ma'am, not at all. What did she keep from you? Nearly everything I liked, ma'am. Was it cruelty or kindness? Kindness, of course. What I liked would have killed me. Then she withheld from you. No good thing, hey? While she kept from you nearly everything you liked. There was silence all around the table. Then Miss Baines spoke again. But, ma'am, that old woman has not a fever, and she don't get any nice things to eat. It is quite likely she enjoys her meals more than you do yours. But granting she does not, are you the physician to know what is good for her? She does not want any physician, ma'am. A laugh ran around the table, and Miss Fairburn let the subject drop. When dinner was nearly over, however, she remarked, You want light for your practicing. I will excuse you. Miss Gwensborough, if you wish to go. Esther went very willingly. Then Miss Fairburn held one of her little discourses, with which now and then she endeavoured to edify her pupils. Young ladies, I am going to ask you to take patterns by Miss Gainsborough. Did you notice her movements when she went to do that little errand for me? Silence. Then murmurs of assent were heard. Not very loud, not enthusiastic. Miss Fairburn did not expect that, nor care. What she wanted was to give her lesson. Did you observe how she moved? She went like a swan. On land! Her keen ears heard something say under her breath. No, not on the land, like a swan on the water, with that smooth, gliding, noiseless movement which is the very way a true lady goes. There was the cat lying directly in her way. Miss Gainsborough went around her gracefully, without stopping or stumbling. The servant came right against her with the tray full. Miss Gainsborough stood still and waited composedly till the obstacle was removed. You could not hear her open or shut the door, you could not hear her foot on the stairs, and yet she went quick. And when she came back, she did not rustle and bustle with her newspaper, but laid it nicely folded beside me, and went back to her seat as quietly as she had left it. Young ladies, that is good breeding in motion. End of chapter 20